You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Today is the final day in our message series that we've been doing for the month. I actually began it back in September and through October, Urgent Love Letters. And these are specific letters that we've talked about to seven specific churches uh, in in Asia Minor uh, that that Jesus gave to the Apostle John as he was exiled on the island of Patmos. He was exiled because he'd been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. And the Roman Empire said, enough with that, we're going to put you away. But what they didn't know is that he was going to have extra time to spend in prayer and and listening and and pressing in to the presence of God. And when we do that, some amazing things can happen. Certainly an amazing thing happened with John in that he had this multi-sensory revelatory experience. It was a vision, but it was more than a vision because there was sound involved and there was an experience of of the Holy Spirit in in powerful and dynamic ways uh, that, that spoke to him. It was a message that he had for seven specific churches but the church as a whole and the church today and to us as individuals today. And as as I mentioned, uh, each of these letters uh, followed the same pattern. uh, And and some of the, you know, sometimes there were commendations, criticism. uh, There was always an invitation and a promise of blessing. uh, And these all came from, as we talked about in Revelation 1, These all came from the one, Jesus, who loves us and set us free by his own blood. So as we read these, uh, the difficult words, the encouraging words, the promising words, let's always remember that. Today we are on the seventh and final letter. Uh, This is uh, to the church at Laodicea. And with each letter, we've emphasized that these were actual churches, real places, unique congregations, unique context, and and that's very much the same here uh, with Laodicea. Now, I want to give a shout out to uh, our our friend, Andrew Craig. Andrew is a member of our church family, and he actually shared some photos with me of, of this entire region. He was there on assignment back in 2000, and these are some specific pictures that he took in the early 2000s thousands while he was at Laodicea, what Laodicea looks like today. And he said, I don't know why, but I shot him in black and white. But, uh, but this is what uh, some of the images from Laodicea early uh, circa 2000. Uh, and, and when John wrote the letter to Laodicea, things looked very, very different than the images that you are seeing now. Uh, Laodicea was very uh, critically uh, positioned at a, at a wonderful place to really promote commerce. Uh, there was an intersection of a lot of trade routes right where Laodicea was, and that enabled them to become a thriving center of commerce. Uh, they were a prominent banking community for that entire region, maybe almost like a Charlotte or an Atlanta for the southeast. And they were also known, they had a medical school there as, as well. And at that medical school, they were known uh, for their care of eyes. They had actually developed uh, a special salve uh, for the healing of eyes. They were known for that. Uh, Also, uh, to to just diversify their economy, Laodicea also produced this very luxurious uh, wool, that uh, black wool that was used for rugs and for garments. And so... This is going to come up as we read the letter. You'll see some analogies of what Jesus is speaking to this very specific community. 
It was a very prosperous and a very self-sufficient community. And the sentiment throughout the town of Laodicea of self-sufficiency and independence, uh, it crept into the church. Fancy that. Fancy that. And, and so we're going to look at this passage this morning. I've entitled this message, Warnings to the Self-Sufficient. And this is a question that's worth us asking ourselves today as individuals and as a church. Uh, what's the deal here in terms of what is greater, the influence of the church on dominant culture? Or are we as the church being more influenced by not dominant culture? Which, which is greater, our influence on the world around us? or the world's influence on us as the church. And so as we listen uh, to the words that Jesus gave to the Apostle John, as we go through this this morning, I, I want you, to, want you to, to ask yourself that, as, as us as Vineyard Church of, uh, of Augusta, but also ask yourself individually, you know, in my, in my own life, where is my confidence? Is it in my own achievements? Is it in my own status and power? How much money I have in the bank? Or is it in Jesus Christ? It's something that we all need to review on a regular basis. And as we deal with these influences and our own tendencies towards self-sufficiency, and self-sufficiency isn't a bad thing except when you lose sight of who Jesus is, who God is, and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, we need to, to recognize that Jesus wants to remind him that in him alone is our hope. Our hope is secure in him. Our trust is sure and our true identity can be found only in him, our true identity. We can find identity in a lot of things that are false, that are hollow, that are fleeting. But our true identity is found in Jesus and in him alone. Now, the letter to the church at Laodicea follows all the same patterns as the other six that we've gone through so far, with one exception. All the letters had uh, Jesus identifying himself in a specific way. We'll look at that. Uh, then each one of the letters also had a commendation and then criticism, but then invitation to blessing. Now, the, the letter to Laodicea, uh, to Laodicea has one exception. There is no commendation, none at all. No good job. No, you did this well, but on this you need to... No, there's none of that. There is just... Hey, guys, this is where things are. And I, and I prayed about that this week, and I thought, like, why, you know? Because God, Jesus is, is sending this letter, uh, the one who loves us, the one who gave himself, gave his own blood to save us from our sin. So he, he loves the church at Laodicea. He's not just being mean to them. But sometimes in our self-sufficiency, our view of reality can become so clouded, can become so fogged, that we need an abrupt wake-up call. Uh, a lot of times when we take pride in who we are and what we accomplish, we need a sobering wake-up call, uh, just a uh, sort of a, a cold slap in the face, so to speak, to say, hey, wake up, smell the coffee. This is what's going on. So uh, let, let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Uh, 14 through 22. We're going to have the passage um, on the screen. You can open up your Bibles and read along with me. To the, the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. And we we say, come, Lord. Come and bring your kingdom to Vineyard Church of Augusta, your active rule and reign. Bring your kingdom to each of our hearts and our lives, our homes, our marriages, our families. Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Tune our ears to hear your voice. Heal our eyes to see you and to see the world around us as you would have us see the world. And to see ourselves as you would have us see ourselves. We thank you that you love us, that you are for us. And we open our hearts. We trust in you, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. So who is sending this letter to the Laodicean church? It's Jesus, of course. And in and, and this particular letter, he identifies himself in this way. He says, these are the words of the amen. The amen, the so be it, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And, and Jesus is just coming to us, reminding us, okay, you're, you're, you're real sufficient in and of yourself. You're trusting in your own strength and your own abilities. But I want to give you some perspective here. I was the one who was with the Father and the Holy Spirit from the beginning. I was involved in the work of creation. I have always been, I will always be eternal truth and everlasting love. And every single promise that you have read about, uh, whether they were given in the Pentateuch back in the Old Testament, uh, throughout the prophets, uh, promises that were given through the letters that would come in the New Testament, wherever you are reading about a promise, an invitation, an offer, of God, they are all fulfilled through me and through me alone. And so therefore, that is why it is incumbent upon us to be in Christ, in Christ Jesus, the God of truth, the one who is present uh, and at work in creation, the one and only one who makes possible all of God's promises. I love how, how Paul, the Apostle Paul, takes this same idea and expresses it to the church at Corinth. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And if we are looking 
for anything, if we're looking for peace, if we're looking for a relationship with God, if we're looking for justice, as we're going to be talking about next month, and we are doing this outside of Jesus Christ, we are on a completely worthless journey, okay? It will not result in a a sure end. And Jesus is just reminding the church at Laodicea, as they are encloaked and they're shrouded in their pride and their self-sufficiency and that we got this, thank you, Jesus. No, you don't. And you need to be reminded of the one who comes to you in love and in power and authority. And he does that. He presents himself this way. We can never forget, guys, that this is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There is no other name by which we are saved. We sang about the wonderful, powerful, beautiful name of Jesus this morning. And it is, it is nothing uh, other than Jesus. And so when we are walking out this thing of discipleship, what is Jesus calling us to be and calling us to do? I mean, he's, he has laid down you know, invitations like take up your cross and follow me. He has laid out a beautiful, powerful example of what sacrificial love looks like, and he calls us to follow him in that. So I don't know what Jesus is calling you to be and to do, and the Holy Spirit is is pointing you to today, but but it's all about him, and it's all about uh, following him, and there is no price too great for any of us that that, that Jesus is calling us to. He has already paid the price and he calls us to follow him. He calls us to do that. This is all about Jesus. This is not about us. This is not about our works. It's, it's, it's only about what Jesus did for us, the singular work on the cross. And it's us being encaptured in that, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And this is good news for us. This is good news for the Laodiceans. This is good news for the world around us. The one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his own blood, he gets right to the point. In verse 15, I know your deeds. I'm watching. I see you. I I, I see you that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, Paul, that's for you. I, I preach that today because I know you like spitting and vomiting. Some, you know, some, uh, some of the uh, translations actually call about vomiting. You know? So I did that for our middle schoolers because I am a middle schooler at heart. I just want you to know that. Yeah, now, this is not good, okay? This is not a good thing. This is not an encouraging thing. I mean, the idea, okay, uh, what did you do today? I made Jesus spit. I made Jesus vomit, you know? This is not, this is not a good thing. Uh, it is a bit ironic that this very graphic and unpleasant imagery is actually an invitation to something very, very wonderful. It is a sort of gross wake-up call to a beautiful thing that, that Jesus invites all of us. He invited the church at Laodicea into and invites us into today and its intimacy and closeness with him. That's what this is. Jesus calls all of us, just as he called the church at Laodicea, to to live in intimacy and closeness with him. Because the problem with this is all about proximity and intimacy and closeness. See, it's interesting that Laodicea was so proud of its independence and its self-sufficiency, but yet they lacked their own water system. 
That's pretty big. That's pretty huge for a, a thriving, growing community. Uh, but they didn't have their own, uh, their own supply of water. Uh, they actually had to pipe it in. Hot springs from north of them that was piped through aqueducts. But then they also had a, a source of cool water uh, that was from snow that melted on tops of, of some of the, the mountains in the area that was also piped into them. So they had hot waters coming in from the north, cool waters coming in from the south. But the problem was the distance from these sources of water. So by the time they actually got to Laodicea, they were lukewarm. They were neither hot, they were neither cold. And let's face it, when you're looking for, you know, you want to take a bath, you want to take a hot bath to, to just, you know, your sore muscles, you want to get in that bath and it's lukewarm, that is not a nice feeling. Or when you're really, really thirsty and you want to get that, uh, that cool drink of water, and I like a lot of ice in my water, I, I, I give me lots of ice, uh, I want it really, really cold, I want my milk cold, yes, uh, ice in my milk. Yes, I'm weird that way. <laughs> but when it's lukewarm, it's like, ugh. when the water you drink, it's like, ugh, that's not very refreshing. And when the water in your bathtub is not real warm or your shower, that's not really enjoyable either. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, I want to invite you to closeness with the wellspring of life. I want to I call you to, to be not distant, uh, but I want you to be so close that you're able to enjoy the refreshing uh, of, of cold water that's right there coming right out of the faucet or that hot water that you're able to experience, the, the healing, medicinal, comforting properties of that. At the end of the day, guys, this is about where is our passion, our passion for Jesus. Where is our passion does it exist? If, if, if we had to gauge it, is it intense and it, it's filled with, with energy or vibrancy? Or is it just tepid? It's like, well, me and Jesus, we're okay. We're all right. That's not God's best for us. That's not what he's called us to. This is an invitation to reignite passion. Passion for Jesus and for the things of his kingdom. And, and when it comes to to our relationship with the Lord, you know, sometimes those kinds of things are like, you know, how do I gauge my passion for Christ and the things of his kingdom? There are just some real practical ways that we can do that. I mean, obviously we can look at the fruit of our lives, but I know for myself, one of the things that's most telling for me is where is my thought life? If I had to do an inventory of my thought life, of my imagination, the things that I'm thinking on, where, where does my mind go most of the time? That's a good indication of where my heart is and where my, my, my passions are. Um, I can also look at my, my calendar. Where am I spending lots of time, my energies, my money, my resources? Where am I, where am I utilizing those? There are some very practical ways that, that we can gauge this. It's, you know, we can, we can also deceive ourselves. Uh, ultimately, it is knowing our heart and trusting the Holy Spirit to show us our hearts. He comes in love, he comes in truth to do that. And we can trust him and know that, 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 that he is love. And therefore, Jesus is love, God is love, the Holy Spirit is love. And even the most difficult words, even the most difficult revelation 
of, Reese, your heart is far from me. Your heart is hard. You're, you're, you're distant. Even when that comes, and it has come, and it does come at times, I can know that it comes from love. And I know that it comes from an invitation to draw near. It's not Jesus saying, get away from me. It's him saying, draw near to me. And thank goodness for uh, both for us and for the Laodiceans that that's where Jesus is coming. Jesus, he is truth and love incarnate. He is coming to them with this heart. And Jesus doesn't end the letter with these criticisms. In his love and in his goodness, he issues an invitation and a spiritual proposition. He says he invites us to exchange our spiritual poverty for the eternal riches of his kingdom. Um, uh, you know, he says in verse 17, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize. Wake up call. You're wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. This is hard, hard to hear, but this is coming from one who loves us and doesn't want us to settle for less than his best. He gave his body and his blood to reconcile us into relationship with God the Father. He, he, he went to the Father and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to experience these things and live out these things. How many of us know that the Holy Spirit actually wants to help us with our spiritual self-awareness? You ever ask your spouse, hey, honey, how, spirit, how, how, so, uh, how self-aware am I? That's a dangerous question to ask your spouse. How self-aware am I? And uh, Mary Margaret and I have I've often joked about being self-awareness coaches for people, you know, letting them hire us to help them become more self-aware. We think we probably would go out of business pretty quickly. Probably wouldn't be a lot of interest in that. But the Holy Spirit, he loves to help us with self-awareness. He wants us to see our heart, to know our heart, to recognize where we are in him. Not in a way to condemn us or push us away, but in a way to draw us near. Jesus invites us to exchange our spiritual poverty for the eternal riches of his kingdom. And he begins, uh, again, you think you're rich. You're the center of commerce. You've got this banking industry going on. You think you're self-sufficient. You do all these things to demonstrate that and show the world around you that, you know, you've got it going on and you don't need anyone else. But I come to you and I want to show you that, yeah, you're very, very poor and the eternal things that really matter. And he says, I want to offer you, I want to do a transaction with you that I've already taken care of through my death on the cross, Jesus says, but it's a, tra- a transaction that you have to participate in. He said, I want to exchange with you uh, and give you gold refined in the fire. God wants to continue his beautiful, wonderful work of purification and transformation in our lives. He wants to give us gold that is eternal, not something that's fleeting. You know, I'm thankful as I read this, I'm thankful that God is not finished with me yet. And good news for you, he's not finished with you either. So the question is, Holy Spirit, what is it that you desire to do in me and with me today in this season of my life? I invite all of you, everyone who considers Vineyard Church of Augusta your church home, let us be praying that for what that means for us as a congregation, as a church. Uh, what, what, is, what does obedience look like today? Holy Spirit, what are you doing in our lives to transform us, to make us the church that you have purposed us to be. Jesus, you build your church. 
We want you to build your church here in us. And I'm thankful in this purification process, yeah, the fire gets hot, but just like the Hebrew children in the Old Testament that went through the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God was with them then. He is with us as we go through this fire. He refines us. He protects us. And it is all for his glory. It's all for his glory. And while we'll, we think we're all decked out in our fine garments, looking good, uh, developing our own identity, our own images of power and self-sufficiency and wealth, uh, Jesus says, hey, you're spiritually naked. And that's not real pretty. You're spiritually naked, but I don't want you to stay that way. I have white clothes to wear. I have white clothes for you to wear. The identity found in Christ, the victor, that we get to put on the righteousness of Christ as we are in him, as we are in him, as we are people who have received God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone, we're able to put on the righteousness of Christ and to find our complete identity in Christ, what he's accomplished for us, the all-sufficient sacrifice. Uh, you know, we are all we all experience all kinds of things through life. In my 56 years of being alive, I have experienced things that hurt me. I have hurt others. There are things that I have done, uh, sins that I have committed, uh, that the enemy would love to come across and come to me and say, okay, that is who you are. That is your identity. Or the things that have been done to you, the, the hurts that you've experienced, that is your identity. But I have the opportunity, and Jesus has invited me to realize that that is not my true identity, that my identity in Christ is based on who he says I am, who he's created to me, me to be as a, a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, and as someone the Holy Spirit continues to do his wonderful work of transformation in. And we are not, he's not done with us unless we tell him he is. So, Holy Spirit, come, do your work in us, do your work in Vineyard Church of Augusta. Lead me, guide me, empower me, and open my eyes to the spiritually blind. Uh, Jesus says, I have salve to put on your eyes so that you can have spiritual eyes that see and discern. There are so many things that cloud our spiritual vision. Fear is a big one. Fear, anxiety, pride. We, we find ourselves giving uh, all sorts of allegiances and entrustments to, to things that are fleeing and fainting, things of this world. And it clouds our judgment. We're not able to see and to discern. We, we see people who are not following Christ. We see people who are living completely opposed to him and the things of his kingdom. And it seems like everything's going really well for them. So they must be doing something right. So I'm going to, to, to endeavor to, to, to live my life in that same kind of way. And, and Jesus is saying, no, you need to have eyes to see. You need to have eyes to see things from God's perspective, to see yourself from God's perspective, who I am as a child of God, as a son of God, as a follower of Jesus, as someone the Holy Spirit is doing his work in, and, and, and to see the world around us in that same way, that everyone I see, no matter where they are, no matter how different they are than I am, they're made in the image of God, and, and God has called me to love them. He loves them, and he is for them, and he calls me to do the same. 
Jesus ends this section, this letter to the Laodicean church. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in this letter, Jesus is making an offer and an invitation to us. He's, he's inviting us. He's saying, hey, welcome me into your church. Welcome the Holy Spirit into your church, into your church and your lives so you can enjoy intimacy, feasting, and ultimate eternal victory in him. I remember we, we had our national conference in the Vineyard in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and it was a wonderful, a wonderful event. It, I would encourage you, go to vineyardusa.org. The sessions are available for you to watch. Uh, a lot of really, really good things uh, that happened that week. And I was just reminded, you know, of some of the old stories of John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard. And when, when the Holy Spirit just came to John Wimber at one point and just said, give me back my church. And when I read this letter to the church at Laodicea, that's one of the things that as a church community, we've got to understand that, you know, we can have some great ideas and some great programs and we can do, have some, you know, some, some great worship music and great teaching and great small groups and outreaches and ministry to the poor. We can have all those things. Those are wonderful things. But if we are not following the Holy Spirit, if we're not seeking out his leadership, his guidance, and more than just finding direction, if we're not just seeking him and his presence, we have missed the boat. We've missed the boat. So this for all of us is a call to just be people who are passionate for the presence of, of Jesus, passionate for the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we are the worshipers of God that he created us to be. And the byproduct of that, the fruit of that is going to be intimacy. It's going to be that closeness so that we're able to enjoy just the, the refreshing, the healing that comes in being in God's presence, not being distant from him, but being close to him, that we get to enjoy that the intimacy of, of feasting, of having those wonder, being fed on, on him and the things of his kingdom, and ultimately victory in him. I was, um, as I was <clears throat> preparing this message this week, it's funny how timing uh, on certain things, um, I, was, I was preparing this message, and all of a sudden I got a notification about my 401k plan. It's like, that's weird. But I think it was a, it was a good reminder. It's like, where, where is my hope? Where's my trust? I mean, should we save for retirement? Yeah. But is my hope in that? Is my trust in that? Is my confidence in that? Is that what I'm really counting on at the end of the day? Because I think probably a lot of us remember that sick feeling in our stomach back in like 2008 and 2009. And all of a sudden, those accounts were like 25% less than they were like in a short window of time. And it's like, okay, these are good to have, but is my trust there? Is my confidence there? Where is my trust? Where is my hope? Is it about power? Is it about position in, in, in my city or my 
relationships? Is it about our uh, human relationships? Where, where is all that coming from? This is a reminder for us, whether it's individually or as a church. God's blessed Vineyard Church of Augusta financially. I'm so thankful for that. He's been so good to us. And I'm thankful for that. But, you know, God's, we, that's not what our hope is in. That's not what our trust is about. God desires relationship. He desires relationship with each one of us regardless of what's going on, of what's going on in our lives. Um, one of the things that I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me last week personally, and I share this with you as, as your pastor, um, I'm, I'm a faithful guy. I mean, you can count on me. I'm pretty consistent. I'm pretty even kill. Um, and that's, that's good. Uh, until it's not. I mean, from a standpoint of boring and, and going in the motions, going through motions and not just really pressing into what the Holy Spirit's doing. And, and one of the things the Holy Spirit challenged me at the national conference was to be faithful in taking risk. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go on that. Let's stand together.